of all evils, especially internationalism, pacifism, democracy, and Marxism, that they were responsible for Christianity, the Enlightenment, and Freemasonry. They were branded a ferment of decomposition, formlessness, chaos, and racial degeneration. The Jews were identified with the fragmentation of urban civilization, the dissolving acid of critical rationalism, and the loosening of morality. They stood behind the rootless cosmopolitanism of international capital and the threat of world revolution. In a word, they were the Weltfeind, the world enemy, against which National Socialism defined its own grandiose racial utopia of a thousand-year Reich. In Hitler's genocidal, racist ideology, the redemption, Erlösung, of the Germans and of Aryan humanity depended upon the final solution, Endlösung, of the Jewish question. Unless the demonic Weltfeind was annihilated, there would be no peace in a Europe that was to be united under Germanic leadership so that Germany could fulfill its natural destiny by expanding to the east to create Lebensraum, living space, for its people. The Second World War, which Hitler initiated, was simultaneously a war for territorial hegemony and a battle against the mythical Jewish enemy. War made the Holocaust a concrete possibility. The victories of the Wehrmacht brought millions of Jews under the heel of German power for the first time. The task of annihilating them in cold blood was delegated by Hitler to the SS under Reichsführer Heinrich Himmler and his closest subordinate Reinhard Heydrich. As early as 1939, a so-called euthanasia program directly responsible to Hitler and the Führer Chancellery had been initiated to eliminate nearly 90,000 ethnic Germans who were deemed unfit to live because they were physically or mentally defective. This program, halted temporarily in 1941, proved to be a training ground for the final solution. In late 1941, its personnel, apparatus, and experience in killing by poison gas was transferred to death camps in Poland to be used against the Jews. The Holocaust required more than an apocalyptic ideology of anti-Semitism in order to be implemented. It was equally the product of the most modern and technically developed society in Europe, one with a highly organized bureaucracy. The streamlined, industrialized mass killings carried out in death camps, such as Auschwitz-Birkenau and Treblinka, were of a form unknown in European and world history. But millions of Jews were also killed by the Germans and their helpers via more primitive, archaic methods in Russia, Eastern Europe, and the Balkans. The Einsatzgruppen and police battalions hunted down Jews and executed them in gruesome pit killings in forests, ravines, and trenches. Russians, Poles, Serbs, and Ukrainians, although not earmarked for systematic mass murder, were also decimated in large numbers. Three million Soviet prisoners of war died in German captivity. Some, such as Daniel Goldhagen, have argued that the Germans carried out these murders because they were Germans, their political culture and mindset, grounded in a nationalist pride in their folk, had been pre-programmed by an eliminationist anti-Semitism that had existed since at least the mid-nineteenth century. But before Hitler, folkish racist anti-Semitism had not made great inroads in Germany, though it was far from negligible.
anti-Semitism had been much stronger and more influential in Tsarist Russia, Romania, or in the Habsburg monarchy and its successor states, especially Poland, Slovakia, and Austria. Germany before 1933 was still a state based on the rule of law, where despite long-standing prejudice, Jews achieved remarkable economic success, were well integrated into society, enjoyed equal rights, and decisively shaped its modernist culture. Hitler's rise to power would not have been possible without the carnage of the First World War, the traumatic impact of German military defeat, the humiliation of the Treaty of Versailles, the economic crises of the Weimar Republic, and the fear of communist revolution. Anti-Semitism, while central to Hitler, Josef Goebbels, Himmler, Julius Streicher, and other Nazi leaders, was not the main vote-getter of the movement. But once racist anti-Semitism became the official state ideology of the Third Reich, reinforced by an extraordinarily powerful propaganda apparatus and a barrage of anti-Jewish laws, its impact was devastating. It is, however, important to realize that the receptiveness of Germans and other Europeans to the demonization of the Jews owed a great deal to the much older tradition of Christian anti-Judaism. The Nazis did not need to invent the images of the Jew as a usurer, blasphemer, traitor, ritual murderer, dangerous conspirator against Christendom, or a deadly threat to the foundations of morality. Both secular rulers and Christian churches had ensured that, until the French Revolution, Jews were pariahs in European society, condemned to positions of inferiority and subordination. Racism had been used in Catholic Spain in the 15th century, for example, to justify the removal of even converted Jews from public functions and positions of economic influence. The Protestant Reformation, especially in Germany, brought little improvement in the status of the Jews. Martin Luther's anti-Jewish diatribes would moreover become a contributing factor in the complicity of so many German Protestants with Hitler's deeds during the Third Reich's anti-Semitic persecutions. Catholics, too, were increasingly implicated in anti-Semitic political movements in France, Austria, Hungary, Slovakia, Poland, and other European states in the 19th and 20th centuries. During the Holocaust, many Catholic clerics, like their Protestant counterparts, were often indifferent or even hostile to Jews. The deep ambivalence of the Vatican and the Christian churches cannot, however, be understood without taking into account the long-standing teaching of contempt which had deep roots in the New Testament itself and in the teachings of the Church Fathers. Nazism, though ultimately determined to uproot Christianity, built on the negative stereotypes about Jews and Judaism that the churches had disseminated for centuries. The Germans did not carry out the Holocaust alone, although under Nazi rule they were undoubtedly its spearhead and driving force. When it came to killing Jews, they found many willing collaborators and helpers among Lithuanians, Latvians, Ukrainians, Hungarians, Romanians, Croats, and others. Austrians, who had been annexed to the German Reich in 1938, formed a wholly disproportionate number of the SS killers, death camp commandants, and personnel involved in the final solution. Even official France collaborated eagerly not in the killing of Jews, but in their deportation eastward and in the passage of draconian racist legislation. The Holocaust was a pan-European event, 
that could not have happened unless millions of Europeans by the late 1930s had wished to see an end to the age-old Jewish presence in their midst. This consensus was especially strong in the countries of East-Central Europe, where the bulk of Jewry lived and retained its own national characteristics and cultural distinctiveness. But there was also a growing anti-Semitism in Western Europe and America, tied to the hardships caused by the Great Depression, increased xenophobia, fear of immigrants, and the influence of fascist ideas. This hostility was evidenced by the unwillingness of British and American decision-makers to undertake any significant rescue efforts on behalf of European Jewry during the Holocaust. Already in the 1930s, the quota system in the United States had precluded any mass immigration of Jews from Central and Eastern Europe, which might have relieved some of the enormous pressures on Jewry. British concerns about Arab unrest in Palestine following increased Jewish immigration in the 1930s to their national home, led to another major refuge being denied them. Hitler duly noted these responses and the appeasement policy of the West before 1939 and drew his own conclusions. His expansionist ambitions could be pursued without too great a risk, and the West would not interfere with his increasingly radical anti-Jewish measures. The Jews of Europe on the eve of the Holocaust found themselves in a trap from which there appeared to be no escape. They were faced with the most menacing and dangerous enemy in their history, a dynamic power in the heart of Europe that openly sought their destruction. Its influence was felt in neighboring states, especially to the east and southeast, which were passing...